Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness. 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 Foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Hey you guys, what is going on? This is Brian Sumner. Welcome to episode 102 of the Foolishness Podcast. It's been amazing being with you for over 100 episodes, interviewing people, unpacking topics, but most importantly, jumping into God's Word. I'm excited today because though we've had fun, we get to just focus on a text where recently I was asked to preach at my friend's church, Pastor Brian Darrow, about 15 minutes away from me in Newport Beach. And they are doing a series on Psalms, the book of Psalms, while he's away. So I filled the pulpit. We unpacked Psalm 23, which to me is one of the most powerful Psalms. David, as a shepherd boy, he's looking back on his life as an older man, as a shepherd boy, and thinking about how he as a shepherd loved those sheep. And he relates this to how God is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Talks about his rod, his staff, talks about dwelling in his house. And we see God go from a shepherd to a host. And for you and I, just like for myself this week, as I was getting into it before I preached this sermon, normally three or four days of prep, thinking, praying, and presenting, God was just downloading and speaking. And I was seeing his goodness and his faithfulness that despite wherever we are, he is leading us on paths that we don't always understand in ways we might not grasp, but this will encourage you. So jump in. God is good. Amen. God, you are so good. You are so faithful and what a beautiful day. But Lord, there is a war for worlds in a sense. We are thankful to be here, to be refreshed, to hear from your word. And God, we know you will speak and minister, but Lord, use us, use this place, use this time to remind us for who you are, all that you want to do. And God, I just pray peace over your people today. I don't know what they faced at work, in their families, what they are speaking over themselves. But Lord, as it's been ordained to be in this series, would you, the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, would you speak to us today? We ask it, we believe it, we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray and say, amen. amen. Well, guys, if you have your Bible, Psalm 23, and as yes was just said, I'm Brian Sumner, one of the, the ministry partners, and what that means is basically I'm traveling a lot, speaking a lot, filling in pulpits for pastors and doing podcasts, counseling with people. I guess basically you could say I'm an evangelist where the church is all called to evangelize, amen? But God gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So normally, I'm outside the church. We're all the church, amen? But I'm normally outside encouraging. But today, we're going to be doing some teaching because Paul did write to Timothy. And he told him in a time of chaos, Paul said, Timothy, until I arrive, give your attention to reading, exhorting, and to sound doctrine. And I've just got to say, I never preached on this before. And this whole week, it has been ministering to me. I'm around so many people who are facing so many battles. And for such a simple psalm, it seems that we hear so much. There is so much God says to us. So I pray today that you will be leaning in. Amen. Like blind Bartimaeus did, crying out, son, of David or Zacchaeus climbing that tree that you would come and say, Lord, as your sheep, I need to hear your voice. So Psalm 23, if you're there and ready, amen. amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a crazy and tremendous passage this is. I mean, what an amazing verse. Like, I've never preached on this, like I said, but even growing up, not knowing Jesus until I was 24, I heard this verse over and over in school from friends who weren't believers all throughout. Why? Because it's world famous. Of the 150 Psalms, this is the most quoted Psalm. In fact, the New Testament focuses on John 3.16, amen? But this is the same case in the Old He says it's recited more than any other psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, what? I shall not. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of... It's everywhere. It's in movies, it's in books, it's in plaques, it's on stickers and fridges. It's all throughout. And in fact, even after 9-11, this was the psalm that George Bush recited to America. They said this is a psalm that's been read the most or spoke the most by the martyrs around the world. So church, our brothers and sisters, as they took their last breath, this was the psalm they were speaking. It said this is the psalm that's brought the most comfort to any. And what's crazy is as we think about this psalm, where do we hear it the most? We hear it the most at funerals. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we just think about funerals. We think about a tombstone. We think about a card or I'm sorry so-and-so passed. But here's the point. If this is a psalm for people who've passed, why am I preaching it to you? Amen? You guys awake on enough coffee today? It's a psalm for the living. It's a psalm for us in the midst of battle. It's a psalm for us who are going through the chaos of life to hold on to and say, Lord, even though things are falling apart as it's, what, 78 degrees outside, Lord, you are with me and you're going to lead me. Why? Because it's recorded by David as king many years later as he's looking back on his life as a shepherd boy. What's amazing is he starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, and he could have said anything. He could have said, the Lord is king, and I am his subject. The Lord is the potter, and I am the what? Clay. God is my father, I am his son, and all these things would have been right. But he says, no, the Lord is a shepherd, and what? I am his sheep. David knew a thing or two about being a shepherd. He would have looked back on his life after all his craziness and remembered the times he was in those fields with the sheep, with the flock of his father, Jesse, while it was bear and lion, probably crazy people at times. And he was out there loving those sheep, tending to those sheep, knew every one of them, all their details, all their issues. Can someone say amen? Just like God knows ours. The amazing things, he would have laid his life down. He was there to protect the sheep. And also as a shepherd, even though God refers to himself as a shepherd, for a person, this is a humble and lowly position. Think about when God told the prophet Samuel to go to Jesse because one of your sons will be anointed king. Amen? And as the prophet shows up, there's a feast. 
and they're offering the man of God. He pulled up to the parking lot today and he's drinking his water and he entered the doors of W Church and here's Jesse with all his sons and everyone was there. Aside from who? David. He's just a shepherd boy. He's just out in the fields. He's just faithfully tending to the flock. He's just faithfully at war with bear and lion. And when I get to heaven, I want to see those videos. Amen? I like the UFC and all the rest of it. But man, I want to see what David did. He put the the hurt on those things. But the reality is, he was just an afterthought. I wasn't even thinking about him. What that tells you is he understood some things about what a shepherd is. And while David was out there singing and praising God... No one around and here comes the enemy or a vicious animal or something. You know it was in those times of prayer and those times of preparation where he and the Lord grew that would later lead him to be just a shepherd boy, amen, with some cool instruments who would go on to defeat who? Goliath. Here's the ruddy shepherd boy saying, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? And there he is, all his faith and his stone right in his skull, chops his head off. I mean, he's a shepherd. I love what David says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He doesn't say he's a shepherd or he's just the shepherd, though God refers to himself that way. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, my right now shepherd. And church, you need to hear that. It's been ministering to me all week. He is your shepherd today, wherever you are going. If you are straying, if someone drug you here, if you are stuck in the thicket, if the lion is roaring, ready to attack, the Lord is my right now shepherd. Now, let's be honest. I mean, I don't know too much about shepherds, amen, you guys? You know, have you seen those lovely hills on the side of Fashion Island with all the sheep, amen, humor me? <laughs> Corona Del Mar, the shepherds and the sheep, or, you know, the meadows of Irvine, no. I'm going to say this, I wasn't going to. The only time I ever seen sheep was when I went to Wales with my dad. And for whatever reason, I probably shouldn't even say this in church, he picked up all the dried up sheep, you know what, and threw it at me when I was a kid. How messed up is that? (laughs) My experience with shepherds is I have no clue about it, but what I know now, the last few years of looking at these verses, is the sheep were completely dependent upon the shepherd. The shepherd cared for them, provided for them, took care of them. I mean, literally delivered them, worked with their bodies so as to heal them. So you couldn't really think of a greater way to focus on analogy than shepherd and sheep for God and you and I. What's crazy about sheep is they literally say that they need the most meticulous care because of all the livestock. They have no clue what is going on. These are the kind of animals that are prone to wander can never find their way home, always get lost. I mean, in a sense, sheep are exactly like who? Us. There goes I, but by the grace of God, for 24 years, I was a wandering sheep. Even Isaiah 53 and 6, all we are like sheep. We have gone astray and everyone has turned to his own. God wants us to know we're like sheep. Over 200 times he refers to them as sheep in the Bible and even today, You can go online and look at story after story on YouTube. I am not kidding. I remember a few years ago, all these shepherds got together. And one of these sheep with some kind of brain infection went crazy. And as the shepherd was stopping to rest, one of the rogue sheep just took off off a hillside and dove off the hillside. And what did the rest of the sheep do? $75,000 worth of sheep off a hill. Why? Because they didn't see the shepherd. They couldn't hear his voice. Literally, that's what these animals are like. And what's crazy is 
The only time sheep are ever referred to in a good light is when their shepherd is present. And you know this. Old Testament, Moses' writing talks about Jacob and God being the stone of Israel. Psalm 80 and 1, I'll quote a few verses, but stay there in Psalm 32. God is the shepherd of Israel. Isaiah 40 and 11, the Lord will feed his flock like a shepherd. I mean, even Jesus quoted the prophecies of Zechariah 13, 7, that the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would be scattered. This is what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then we get to the New Testament. Let's really personalize this. And guys, there's times where you want to be selfish and say, Lord, I am going through it. It doesn't make sense. I just need you right now. Have it out with God on the drive sometimes, amen? God, I can't do this. Let's get real with God because it's then that verses like this ring true, John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for who? The sheep. John 10 and 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. That's you and me. Someone say amen. Hebrews 13, 20. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. And 1 Peter 2.25 says, you were all straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. I hear this and I say, Lord, I agree and I trust. But as I was getting into this, I said, Lord, do I really have the kind of faith that David has? Do I really walk in this? I mean, I'm a pastor and, you know, one of my Bibles has my name on somewhere, so surely I'm this man of God who just trusts all the time. Amen? No, we wrestle. I know the Lord is good. My faith is in him. But what is it like for me when things don't make sense? Well, he asks us right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. When we hear that, especially today with all this prosperity preaching and all the rest, and sometimes we can't have anything, sometimes we want too much. I mean, what is God saying? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's a difference between wanting and having to have, amen? There's a difference between your wants and your needs. God says he will meet and supply all of your what? Needs. But he says elsewhere in the epistles that you have not because you ask not. But then even when you ask, you have not because your goal is to spend it on your what? Pleasures. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, what he's saying is he's declaring who God is, but he's saying, I'm content, Lord, with wherever you lead me because I know you're going to provide exactly what I need. Amen? How many of us would be in terrible places if God gave us all the things we ask for every day? Amen. Thank you for being faithful, church. But the reality is, especially in America, even England, Australia, I mean, it's in everyone. But a lot of the world's issues, people's issues is from what we want, not from what we need. It's from our wants, the greed, the coveting, all the things that get the best of us, you know, frustrated by what the Joneses have, never really content, never really satisfied. And if I came in here today and I was out back talking to you and there's just something about Brian, you know, Brian just seems he's not content, didn't talk very well of his wife or his kids or, you know, doesn't really like the Bible, doesn't really care about God. I mean, what would you think about my relationship with my shepherd? Is that a good witness of him? Are you around people in the office or on the sports team or on the phone who just are slighted in life? When we're not content with what God decides is best for us, it's a bad witness of our faith because what? The Bible says God gives us a pasture to walk in. He's created it all. He calls us to walk in it. And he tells us in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of who? 
God, not kingdom of Brian, not kingdom of even the W Church, what you might think about yourself. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. I know yet, guys, all those things will be added to it. That's an afterthought. When I seek God, when I seek the shepherd, God does all this work and David knows this. So if you're going through it, think about what he says next. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, amen, and he leads me beside still waters. Well, you might have missed in that verse, it says, he makes me lie down. Have you ever seen sheep lie down? You might have seen them standing, but you rarely see sheep laying down. Sheep will really do that. Why is it? Well, just like us, they don't know how to relax. They don't know how to rest. There's so many things that distract them. And what a good analogy for mankind. The idea that money never sleeps. We don't need Sabbath. There's another dollar to be made, another deal to be made, another muscle to be flexed, even another sermon to be preached. How much of our lives are based on resting in the Lord as opposed to gaining this whole world? Amen. We can still live that way as believers. Philip Keller in his book on shepherding said this. He said, sheep do not lie down easily and they will not lay down unless four conditions are met. He says, because sheep are timid, and I've never thought that that term sheepish means they're timid, amen. I mean, I see those videos of goats falling over all the time when you shout at them and they collapse. And I've got to be honest, I would probably go do that and then repent afterwards, amen. (laughs) I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm kind of confessing it. So if I encounter goats this week on the hillsides of Irvine, not going to happen. That's why I have notes. But because they are timid, sheep will not lie down if they are afraid. So fear, which is normal. Because they are social, well, they will not lay down and rest unless there is friction. So tension. If there's flies or parasites troubling them, so attacks. Again, this is all normal. If they are anxious about food, as in hungry, they will not lie down, which is a lack. So literally we could say, so if there's fear, tension, attacks, and a lack, we can't lie down. But here's the crazy thing. The shepherds would be leaving the sheep through the valleys. They would be leading them to places where there was green pastures and still waters. But do you know that on the way, they often face these kind of things? There will be times of fear. There might be times of lack. There might be times where we feel attacked. There might be times of tension, even within the body of Christ, amen. I mean, it's in the New Testament. Paul's fighting there with John Mark, and then God goes ahead and names a book after him. I like like that, the Apostle Paul, amen. But the reality is that in order to get these sheep to the green pastures, they have to walk downward through the hillsides. They have to go into the valley sometimes. They have to go into places where they don't want to be. Am I saying the Lord will take you to places where you don't want to be? Sure. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. And whose responsibility is it to get us where we need to go? It's God's. You guys all know Ephesians 2.10. We're his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus. But if we're honest, how many of you guys want to do the work God has given you, but also God's work as well? Amen. We want to fix everything, solve anything, make sure. And you know what? We can do that a lot of times out of fear. I have three children. One of them just got married. He's 20. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Out the house. It's hard for my wife, but man, he is moving into the things of God. God, Amen. But you know what I don't want for my three kids? I don't want fear. I don't want doubt. I don't want stress. I don't want them worrying about all the things that when they were growing up, I'm the one who wants to take care of the bills, amen? I want to pay the car payment. I want to get insurance. I don't want them thinking about everything. When my kid asks about my life, I want them to be able to say, 
Dad, I'm praying for what God's doing. And as the Bible says to us, rejoice. Again, I say what? Rejoice. What I'm saying is, as God is leading us to these places, providing for us all this provision, we can sometimes get in the way of this. And you might be sitting here and get that picture of, you know, green lands and lush. And you might be thinking about that movie. I think I have an image maybe we can put up on the screen right now. Maybe this is how you picture. This is how you picture Psalm 23. And I put this up here to honor my mom. Mom, there she is, Julie Andrews, amen? But that is not what, what Jerusalem looks like. I mean, that's the Swiss Alps if you didn't know. If God gave us this much grass, this many fields and meadows, we would all sit back and become glutens and wouldn't be following the shepherd. If you go to Israel, if you can put the second image up, this is what it looks like. You see in the next image, we'll get it up here in a moment, but as the shepherd leads you, this is literally what hillsides look like. And you know what would happen? Is the dew would come down in the morning, the dew would come down in the night, and those bursts of grass would tuft up out of everywhere, and the shepherd would lead the sheep, and as they would take bite after bite after bite, however many, the dew that was sitting in those plants would refresh them. Yes, there was times as fields, yes, there's time where there's still waters. They won't drink from running waters, but this is what it looks like a lot. And what this teaches me is, Brian, at 42, as you follow the Lord, do I really trust for the rest of my life that he's leading me to mound, to mound, to mound as I follow him? Yes. He's going to call me to step out sometimes, challenge me to do some things sometime. But I say all of this because when you say the Lord is my shepherd, can you say I'm not going to want? Lord, I'm just going to trust in you. And look what he says in verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. And this is a huge takeaway. The danger is, especially in Southern California, is we come to church, we say a prayer, and we say, God, I'm good. And we can go and live our life, however. And we just say, well, God's got it. You might be a Christian with that mindset. Many people probably confess Jesus and go back into the world and they're never really involved in what God is doing. But the reality is, look what he says. He leads me in paths of righteousness. What David is saying is God wants to take me somewhere, but I'm willing to follow. What did Jesus say? He said, my sheep hear my voice. Amen. Was that all he said? And they were? They follow me. I want to be in church because I know I need it, but I want to hear about it. I want to sing about it. I know I need this. I know I need to be in the Word of God. God says, I want to lead you in these paths of righteousness, but we're called to follow Him. And you may be sitting here saying, well, God is good. He's faithfully died for me. But if our life is falling apart sometime, it could be because we're not getting in the streams with God and being led and following Him. I sat with a guy a few weeks ago who's in his 50s, made all kinds of money, had all kinds of marriages, ups and downs, overdose chaos. But Brian, I said a prayer when I was five or six, but have you been walking in the paths of righteousness? Am I saying be good enough? No, that's legalism, amen? What I'm saying is this, Psalm 32, 8. Listen, God says to you and me, I will instruct you, Brian, and I'll teach you, W Church, in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you, meaning he's literally leading us. And he says, be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and brittle, or it will not steer near you. We say, well, David was this wonderful shepherd boy. Look at how he loved the Lord. But let me ask you, what was David's life like later on? What was David's life like when he lived without understanding? 
I've fought the wars. I'm the king now. I've got it all. A leather couch, a big screen TV. I mean, I'm the man. I'm King David. Here comes Bathsheba. Did he follow the Lord's way? Yes or no? Did he lean in his own understanding or he trust God? He sees Bathsheba and he lusts and he covets and he wants and I've got to have that. And he pursues her and now we have disloyalty. We have an affair. We have Uriah assassinated. Why? Because David was not being led by the Lord. He wasn't walking in paths of righteousness. Instead, he was like a mule or an ox. He wasn't associated the way he should have been with the Lord. Let me put this other image up of this mountain if we can just to see what these paths look like and see how we relate. Do you see those marks on that hill? You know what they are? They're the paths right here that sheep are often led and in Israel it's been for thousands of years. Can I tell you what I want my path to be like? It starts at the bottom and it goes to the top and it's done in 15 minutes, amen? (laughs) This is what our life is like. David, this beautiful shepherd boy, and God led him through craziness. He played the harp for Saul. He honored Saul. He was friends with his son, but Saul came after them, and David must have felt like this sometimes, going around the mountain saying, Lord, why? Joseph thrown into prison, his family coming against them. Why? We don't know why God allows all these things, but this is what it looks like. You might be going around the mountain all those times. And here's the amazing thing about David is when David got caught in his sin, you know what he did? He repented and he lived a repentant life. Saul never did that. Saul made excuses. As God leads us on the path, even when we step in the wrong places, that repentant, trusting life in Jesus, this is what it looks like for us, amen? Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. So as I go through things in life, as my walk looks kind of like this at times, we have to remember Romans 8.29 that even though we're going through stuff, we're being conformed to the image of who? Jesus. I mean, if I was God, would I have sent my son for three and a half years to be beaten, abused, spat on by a bunch of people who couldn't care less about him, rip him to bits like wolves? No, but God knew what was best. Jesus lived 33 years knowing this was coming. Here's the crazy thing too is it says that we'll be led on these paths and there's only one reason why we wouldn't want to. And he says, lead me on these paths of righteousness and he finishes that verse, you know what he says? For your name's sake. The only way we don't wanna follow and trust, yes, we have a sin nature, is it's more about my name's sake. I think I asked you guys this before, but guys, what's the biggest hindrance to the ministry God wants to do with me? It's me, it's my ministry, it's my agenda, it's my path. I don't think people start off on the wrong foot. I think they're starting off like David, trusting the Lord and the world comes in. That business you may have started, the relationship you entered, the thoughts you have. It's important we say, God, I'm following your paths because it's for your name's sake. Is it about God's kingdom or mine? And he talks about this, this amazing picture of now it's green and flush and he's getting filled and there's water and everything. And then he switches gears to a verse about funerals. Even though I walk through the water, Valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. How does he go from this attractive picture to this? Well, he went through stuff. He faced something. Did he lose the job? Did a loved one pass away? Was it a crazy diagnosis? I I shared a few years ago about my mother-in-law, and we thought maybe she's diagnosed with ALS, a crazy crippling disease. Last time I was here, oh yeah, they've affirmed this is what it is. And now it's like she literally is on the couch and in a special chair and can't move and can't do this. But it's like, how do you deal with that? 
People have said to me, my cousin, how do you worship a God that would allow your mother-in-law to pretty much sit around for two or three years and not speak? And I said, honestly, I couldn't deal with it if there wasn't a God. If the evil and wickedness and craziness we see in this world, there was no answer to that, it would make no sense. And what that means is right here when he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? You have to be reminded that it's just a shadow. Even if the Lord takes her, how many guys know no one dies of old age? They might have died in their sleep. Grandma might have went peacefully, but no one dies of old age. And whether she passes from this, and we're praying, James 5, heal the Lord, perform a miracle. Even if she passes, you know what? That death is just a shadow. Even though she passes, if that's the case, death has lost its sting. The thing people fear the most, death, is the thing that brings you victory. Being willing to die, why? Because to die in Christ is what? Life. The Bible says once we die and stand before God, it's a point of man to die once and then what? Judgment, that there's coming a second death. Isn't popular today to preach this with younger Christians. You know, we don't want to talk about hell and the end and all the rest of it, but we're just going to stick to the Bible in church today. How's that, amen? Revelation 20, 14. Death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. If anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he will too be thrown into the lake of fire. Guess what? Her mom believes in Jesus. Death has lost its sting. When my mom passed away, when my wife miscarried, whatever you're going through, it's all just a shadow. And here's the picture. If you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you have heard this, but just keep on what? Walking. What separates mountain from mountain? The valley. There's only a shadow because there's light up ahead. Amen. It was like the shepherd isn't in the valley with them, but he's right there with us. He says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And as he's walking with us, he says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, two tools that the shepherd used and God used. If you're off there in the thicket, if you're falling into the water, if something's attacking you, he would hook you back and bring you in. He would lead the way. But likewise, the club, if something approached, he might pull that out with nails on the top or hit something or defeat something. Like in your life today, if there is a roaring lion, Satan could do nothing to Peter, but he asked Jesus, amen? He said, Satan has asked to sift you as what? Wheat, but I've prayed for you. That means, Peter, I've got the staff, I've got the club, I want you to trust. Thank you, Lord. But when we think about verses in this, here's the thing. The rod is also used for correction. Remember hearing a minister preach one time and he said, man, if you can live in your sin and get away with it, you want to really sit before the Lord and make sure you're not illegitimate. People say to me all the time at the end of a service, sometimes it's a soldier or someone's been through some crazy thing, how do I know my sins aren't too big for God? Is there anything more powerful in the blood of Jesus? Are you convicted at times? Do you hear him at times? Is he grabbing you with the rod? Is he sometimes hitting you with the club? Whoa, pastor, what kind of preaching is this? Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and what? Chasten. If your kid runs in the road, you're going to rescue him, but you might smack his rear end a little bit harder than normal, amen? If someone's doing something crazy, you might sit them down and say, is this really the way you're trying to get me to file my taxes, amen? He says this in Hebrews 12, 8. If you were left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. 
What that means is a good father will challenge you, convict you, and you just say, yes, Lord, I hear that. People say all the time, what does it mean to be a Christian and struggle with sin? My kid walked in here today and was cussing and swearing and doing something. How do you think I'd react? Am I gonna disown him? Am I gonna beat him? Am I gonna tear him down? I'm gonna say, son, I don't want you to talk that way. That's not what's best for you. That's how God speaks to us. You could be in here today and you are condemning yourself. It's a lie from the enemy, amen? Romans 8 and 1, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we have this rod and this staff and it's crazy. Put this other image up on the screen. So we picture walking on these paths right now and he's got his rod and his staff. And if you go to Israel sometimes, see if you have the fourth image up there. If you ever lead someone to a sheepfold, one of the questions they'll ask is they'll say what? Where's the door, amen? Do you guys see where the door is? Who's the door of the sheepfold? The shepherd. Didn't that just blow your mind? Like I just got chills when I first seen that verse. I was like, really? I mean, I hear that verse and I hear that verse. We always quote John 10, 7. Jesus said, so guys, this is not Brian. This is your shepherd over you. Truly, truly, church, Brian, the W, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door to the sheepfold. The shepherd lays in the opening so no one can get out, and the shepherd lays in the opening so no one can get in. The only way is through his body, amen? What that should tell me is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. His staff, his rod, he's leading me to lay down. But while life is crazy, so be it, Lord. Nothing is gonna befall me that you allow. What Job went through, what Paul went through, the chaos you might be facing, it's about the shepherd, not even the issues. And he goes on. He says, you prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. If we went to Israel today and we were walking by, and if some of you don't know, one person said, who's this funny sounding English guy trying to sound American, amen? They might say, do you guys want some food? And if we said yes, it was hot and sweaty, they'd bring us in and they would dust off our feet and wash them. They would kiss us on the cheek, one cheek, the other, then the other. They would put oil upon our heads to refresh us. And they might give you a drink mixed with honey. Why? To make you feel refreshed. This is what God is doing. He's going from shepherd to host right now. You're leading the sheep, but now you're coming to be the host. And what's amazing is this custom in that day is if we were being chased by enemies and we found a place of sanctuary, we could go in and eat and our enemies couldn't come near us. They'd be outside ready to kill me. We'd have a game plan. I'm going to take this table. I'm going to hit them with the piano. You guys are going to help me, right? I mean, this is Old Testament today. But here's what Jesus says. This will be in the midst of your enemies. When it's Christmas, Easter, family gatherings, you know, whatever it is, and you go sit with that one cousin or the crazy, oh, you know, let's just talk about politics. No, amen. When you're sitting with someone who is angry with you, hurt, got an offense, an issue, you're not really thinking about the food. You're not really thinking about the taste. You're not really having a pleasant life. And what Jesus, God is saying, David, is he's gonna give you a position in the midst of the most chaos you can imagine, but in the midst of that, you can have peace. He's gone from being a shepherd to being a host. You prepare a table for me. And here's what's amazing. You anoint my head with oil. Why? Because the sheep would go in the bush and scratch their head, scratch their face. It's a form of refreshing. But also oil, what does it mean? If you're set apart for the work of God, the priest, the king, whoever, 
You were set apart to be used. And it's a picture of who? The Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, you will receive the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts 2, 3, 4. We're filled with the Spirit. We're sealed with the Spirit. We're empowered. If any of this is making sense to you, it's because the Spirit of God in me, the Spirit of God that recorded the Word, and the Spirit of God in you. Amen? And as we are filled and it's poured upon our heads, he says, you will anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And here's what's amazing about this. They even say today that when goats begin to war with each other and crack each other's heads, the shepherd will go out with a load of oil and they'll rub it all over their heads. Why? So when there's conflict, they'll miss. How's that next time I counsel a couple who's marriaging? I just sit with them and just rub a load of oil on their head, amen? (laughs) They said in modern days, they literally take axle grease and they put it up there. So when they charge, I mean, Pastor Brian's gonna be doing this to someone and you're gonna come home and say, babe, I don't know what happened, but there's all this oil on my head. Don't blame me, amen? The point is, we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, we're holy, we've been set apart, and look at this. We've only got a little bit of time left, but I wanna say it says, my cup overflows, meaning there's more than enough. And he goes into verse six, look at this. And guys, you've gotta catch this in your devotion time. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He doesn't say maybe, possibly, I hope. He says, surely. He says, I remember being a shepherd. I remember when you danced with me in the fields. I remember when you led me to destroy Goliath. I remember when I was dead in sin, God, and I wasn't honoring you, and you restored my soul. I remember goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And he goes on, look what he says. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What God is saying is you are now part of my house. You are not just a friend. You are now what? Family. This is the whole goal of the Bible that a king called Jesus came to redeem his bride, the church, to destroy an enemy called who? Satan. The whole goal is to get us to dwell in the house of God and God has done this. So what do we do with this? What do we do in the four o'clock service when we get done despite what will be going on in your life right now? Well, we ask the question, we say, am I part of the sheepfold? Is he my shepherd? Am I out in the thicket? Is something attacking me? Is there opposition in my life? Because the Bible says God so loved the world that what? He gave his only begotten son. Only his sheep can say that. The Bible tells us that he is my shepherd. Can you say that he is your shepherd? So all these promises apply to you. If you go on YouTube today and you type in a video about all these shepherds gathering, this will blow your mind. Five, 10, 15 shepherds and they all go gather in this building hanging out. All the sheep are outside. And do you think the sheep all stay apart in separate lines? No. All mix, hundreds of sheep. I'd be out there in the parking lot stressing out, whose sheep is this? You can't brand them, you can't mark them. If you spray on them, it comes off. How do you know how hundreds of sheep are gonna be separated? There's only one way. You guys know, amen? My sheep hear my, and they follow me. You can literally see 15 shepherds and one guy starts walking off and he's making his little chirp. All the sheep leave. You couldn't have brought a better example than this, and I'll finish with this thought about you saying, is he your shepherd? And you stand on these promises. There's a famous story of an actor, and they never said who it was, but many years ago, who was attending a a social party, an event, 
and he was known to be dramatic and charismatic, and so there was an older minister there, and while sitting there and eating with this gentleman, he was reciting roles and acting this way and that way, and the minister said, would you mind reciting at the end of our meal Psalm 23? And so as he says this, the actor's like, well, I would love to do that, but would you mind reciting it right after me, amen? And so they get done eating and the actor gets up there and he shares and he proclaims it all. He's memorized it because I'm guessing it was way back in the day when most people just knew the Bible, amen? And as he's saying this, the charisma and the attitude, he delivers the psalm and people are clapping and wailing and the older man gets up and yes, he's a minister and his voice has got that crack in it. And as he delivers the sermon that time, as he shares the scripture, they said when he was done, the whole place was in tears. And as they asked the actor and they said, what was the difference? What was the difference in your deliverance and his? He is said to have said, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. You see, the actor was just reciting something, going through the motions. But the pastor, the minister, the man, the woman who had wrestled and struggled with God has walked around that mountain, has trusted in the Lord, has walked through some things. If we got really real right now on this beautiful sunny day, like I say, some funny sounding English guy, what is going on in your life? Yes, we're attending church, but what are you holding on to? What are you holding on to that God wants to take? What are you doing to get out the way of the staff or maybe the club? Where does the Lord maybe to step in and help you and encourage you? Because if we're honest, life is tough, amen? We get showered, we eat our food, we put money in the bank, but life is a battle. I'll say this just for even time, even because I'm English, Scottish, Scandinavian, and part Irish, even seeing what happened to Conor McGregor last night. <laughs> Guys, look at this. Made $180 million last year. On top of the world, he rose up, and now after defeat in whatever field, breaks his leg, and he's wound up. He's going after this guy's wife, and he's saying crazy things, and he just looks like he's wound up and bitter, not the way a champion should act. And what am I saying? Is it's never enough. There's no comfort in the world. I came here as a skateboarder to gain the whole world, but still losing my soul. But you and I, as we walk in here, and they said, you know, maybe Connor made 10 or 20 million, but maybe Dustin won to 5 million. And people say, that's such a ripoff. But you know what, to me, Dustin seems a lot more content, amen? Dustin seems like that whole more money, more problems because you become the center. And what I'm saying to you is, are you reminded by this that he's the shepherd? Do you even know what he really wants to do with you in this season? Let me just invite up the band and worship. And I know it's a shorter service, but I just want to pray over us for a while and allow us just to focus on him. You know, a lot of my family and friends in England have no context for the Bible. I came over here without knowing Jesus. I just saw what I've seen in TV or maybe it was a big Catholic church back in the day or the bad things about religion. But it really comes down to this. We're gonna enter the grave one day, but God has done a work in our lives here and now. And what that means is wherever you are, he has shepherded you, every one of you in the pews right now. Where are we? Where's our faith? All I wanna pray for us as we begin to worship, just we can get into it in a moment, is that you would just take your time and you would go to God as his sheep and said, Lord, maybe I just wanna worship you. God, maybe I've been chasing my own things. God, maybe I'm caught up in this and that. But just get out of the way so you can focus on the good shepherd. Maybe he's gonna give you rest. 
Maybe there's gonna be a time of rebuke. Maybe he's gonna do whatever. He's God, I'm not. But what if we just spend a few moments, a few songs worshiping him so as we leave this parking lot today, we say, you're the good shepherd, I shall not want. Only you can cause me to lie down in green pastures and pour out that living water. Maybe you're even here and you say, you know what, pastor, I just got caught up in stuff I'm even ashamed to. Well, God knows, God knew. Jesus went to the cross and said, it is finished. Nothing is greater than his love for you and his sacrifice. Let's pray, you guys. Lord, we just thank you for the service that today the most important thing has taken place. For one, we are worshiping you, but God, you are speaking to your people. I don't know who knows you or who doesn't, but you do. And God, that this simple psalm, ink printed on a book, read by me, would minister to their hearts encouragement. Holy Spirit, would you speak? If people don't know you, would they cry out and say, Lord, I need forgiveness, I need help, redeem me. I'm sorry, I see my sin. Maybe we're just here and we say, God, I have been carrying this too much. You didn't tell us, Lord, that you do away with evil, but you told us we don't have to fear it because you are with us. And God, that is a promise. I would drop everything right now if I got a phone call to run and track down my kids if they were suffering. And God, you are beyond who I could ever be. I pray right now, God, that for your people as we sit, as we hear, if we need to be ministered to, we would just make time. Holy Spirit, speak and move. Thank you, Lord. You're the hedge of protection, God. There's favor upon our lives. There's a call to live out. And we're invincible till you take us. And God, if we're in the valley, we look to the hilltop, look to the mountains, because Lord, you are with us and we fear no evil. Well, guys, I hope that encouraged you. It definitely encouraged me. And for those of you who don't preach necessarily or fill a pulpit, it's almost like producing an end-term paper every week so i spent you know hour after hour day after day in that sermon you get up there and you preach it and you're just pouring yourself out and you feel in your back your fingers you're sweating that was two services and the good thing is you have those sermons then for future reference when people say can you fill the pulpit tomorrow night or hey can you preach on this or hey have you ever spoken on this so it's great to do that but really what it is it's going deeper in the word of God so that I come away with more truth and understanding. And you'd be amazed at how much just sitting in that week with the Lord will then come out of you the next few weeks as you reference that passage and it encourages other people. So guys, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for partnering alongside me. I'm leaving now to go prepare for a wedding tonight. I'm heading out of the what to Ohio next week for three days, traveling, preaching, all the rest of it. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for those who financially partner to enable me to be able to do this, going everywhere, expecting anything. But the Bible says a worker is worthy of his wages. Thank you for trusting me as one who goes and shares, presents. The Bible has told us the harvest is ripe and we got to stop believing there's no laborers. We've got to pray for the laborers. We've got to go out into the nations, into our towns, our cities, our neighborhoods, proclaim the truth. Hope you're all good and remember, Paul told us, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.18, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God bless you guys.